have everyone out this morning as we continue our study on biblical authority on the Lord's Day. This will be part three. I'm going to quickly go through this, put this up here every week, but in Luke 20, verse 4, where Jesus asked the question on that day, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And so what he was asking was, where did John's baptism or uh, the baptism authority originate? Did it originate from God or from man? And I want to skip down to uh, where it says, in manners of religion, we must ask ourselves, did it come from God or man? Well, the simple question to the question that Jesus asked in Luke chapter 7, verse 30, but the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves, being not baptized of him. Speaking of John. And so they rejected. We can see that it was the counsel of God for them to be baptized when John was preaching in the wilderness. Repent and be baptized for the kingdom is at hand. And, and the reason why he asked this question is if we go back to Luke 20 verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass that on, on one of those days, as he, Jesus, taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and scribes came upon him with the elders and spake on him, saying to us, By what authority doest thou these things? Or is who he, who is he that gave thee this authority? And so they were questioning the authority of Christ. And so that's when he pondered the question, the baptism of John, because he knew that they had not obeyed uh, John's teaching. So reject, rejecting the counsel of God will condemn oneself. Uh, that's what, what the Bible states in Luke 7, 30, 30, that when they reject the counsel of God, they were doing it against themselves. This all stems from the, the signs the, the, um, that are posted everywhere on Facebook, it's Sunday on Thursday. And so we, we pondered the question, do they have biblical authority to move what you do on Sunday to Thursday? And as we looked last week when we were looking at seeing, uh, there's no uh, direct commandment for us to do it only on the Lord's Day Sunday. That we can do it, but we noticed that the, the way that they do their music was unauthorized by using musical instruments uh, it appeared they had a band on stage and this, that. This morning, we're going to look at preaching. Uh, is it allowed to do preaching on any other day than Sunday? But what, what are we allowed to preach? Now, that's going to be point one this morning, is what is to be preached? The Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verse 2. Where, where Paul charges the young preacher Timothy, he says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Notice that. The word of God is going to give us our doctrine. We'll see that more. In Acts chapter 13, verse 46. Acts 13, verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, 
But seeing you put it from you, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. So, so what were they doing? They were rejecting the counsel of God. That counsel of God is coming into the preaching of Paul and Barnabas in that day. And he said, you have judged yourself. You have rejected the word of God. And so now you have condemned yourself from everlasting life. And so they, they proclaimed the word of God. It was necessary to have the word of God preached. The word of God is sound doctrine, the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. After he tells them what to preach, preach the word. Notice in verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to them teachers having itching ears. And so the concerning thing about here is that when people don't want to hear the truth, they're going to find someone that's going to tell them what they want to hear. Verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall return on the fables, and fables would be lies. If you're not going to believe the truth, then you are subjected to lies. But it's the sound doctrine, the truth. In John chapter 17, verse 17, we see what is truth. John 17, verse 17, when Jesus is praying that, that prayer there for unity, John chapter 17, he says, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so the only way to preach the word of truth is by preaching what the word of God says and not twisting it to your own destruction as Peter warned many uh, in his writings that people would twist the hard things that Paul wrote to their own destruction. Doctrine comes from the scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is the verse that Sean read for us this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And we've already looked at this before. That's God breathed. It came from God through the Holy Spirit to inspire men, whether it been in the Old Testament or the New Testament. And it's profitable for what? Doctrine. For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, me and Ben were speaking the other night, uh, Wednesday night after Bible uh, study, and we were talking about uh, the book of discipline that some use in the denominational world. And, you know, our thing is why? Why do you need that when, when it says all Scripture is good for doctrine, but it also says for correction? The Bible is going to tell you, uh, depending on what kind of sin someone's involved with, how the church is to handle it in a disciplinary standpoint. Um, and after all, uh, in many of those cases, after many uh, steps of trying to correct that behavior, almost in every one of them it says that you are to withdraw because they're unruly. They don't want to align with the Word of God, and so you're no longer to have fellowship with that person until they're made right. And so we don't need a book to go to with man's interpretation of what God's already clearly laid out in the Scriptures. The doctrine of the Lord. If we go back to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse 12. <clears throat> 
Now this is when the man had desired to hear the word of God, the deputy, and there was that, that sorcerer there, Elamus, that was trying to prevent the word of God. But notice in verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at what? The doctrine of the Lord. But if you notice in verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, the country Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. The word of God and the doctrine of the Lord are one and the same. The gospel of Christ, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we're very familiar with in Romans 1, 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That's the word of God. For it's the power of God on the salvation of everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. What's what? In the gospel. For faith to faith is as written and just shall live by faith. And so in the gospel is revealed the righteousness of God. The word of God is righteousness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. Paul writing to the church of Corinth. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. And so he preached the gospel. They received it as truth. They believed it, they obeyed it, and now they're standing in it. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, but notice this, if, it's conditional. You'll remain saved if you keep in memory that I preached on you unless you have believed in vain. And so in class this morning, we were talking about the, the, the very simple foundation of the gospel. Well, that's laid out for us in verses 3 and 4. For I delivered on you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that He wrote, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. And so there's that foundation. He's saying, "Remember, I taught you these things," because in this chapter He's going to be dealing with the resurrection, and that how some had said there would be no resurrection, and so they were they were really taking away our our hope. Without the resurrection. We just, we do everything out of vain, and we do it in vanity. It's also referred to the faith. In Jude chapter 3, no, not chapter 3, Jude 3, verse 3. Jude 3. Beloved, uh, where Jude writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write on you of the common salvation, it's, it's common. It's, it's the same salvation that was preached to the Jews. It's the same uh, salvation that was preached to the Gentiles. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so as we look in the book of Acts, how that Paul would go and reason out the, the scriptures, well, he was contending for the faith. That's what this study is about. It's contending for the word of God. The truths that are laid therein, whether we can do things outside the day of Sunday uh, and be pleasing to God. In Acts chapter 13, verse 8. Acts 13, verse 8. We've already seen where the word of God was, was known as the doctrine 
of the Lord. But notice this. Verse 8, but Elamus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, which which stood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from what? The faith. And so in this one instance, we've been we were told it's the word of God, it's the faith, it is the doctrine of the Lord. But they're all one and the same. And then the counsel of God, Acts chapter 20, verse 27. Uh, we already had read where uh, those that had um, in Acts 13, 46, they had judged themselves unworthy of hearing the word of God and not obeying the teachings thereof. That was the counsel of God. But Paul says to the elders there in Ephesus in 20, verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. That would be all the teaching of the word of God. Just as when Paul was telling the young preacher Timothy to teach it in season, out of season, you teach just the word of God, Sometimes people are not going to want to hear what you have to preach, but it's still got to be preached. Sometimes our preaching is, is very in-season. It may be with current events. As this lesson is something that I saw, it pricked my heart. And so we are doing this, this lesson here. It's also known as the way. In Acts chapter 19, verses 8 and 9, Acts 18, uh, 19, verses 8 and 9. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading. He was contending for the faith. The things concerning what? The kingdom of God, the church. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way. Before the multitudes, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And so it was the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, verse 6. In Acts chapter 24, Acts 24, verse 14. But I confess unto thee that after the way, which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. And so Paul again, he was confessing the way, the doctrine of Christ. Verses 22 and through 24. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, again, it was the doctrine of the Lord. He deferred them and said, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of the acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Priscilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. The way, the faith, they're the same. And then, if you go to verse 25, you see what he reasoned out of the way about. He reasoned about righteousness. Well, we already seen that righteousness is revealed from what? The gospel of Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. He reasoned with intemperance. That would be uh, repentance. And then judgment to come. And so these are the high points that he reasoned with. And he reasoned of, them, of the doctrine of Christ. 
He reasoned with him that repentance was going to be made so that you would align with the Lord uh, with that. And then the judgment to come. Why are you doing these things? Because there's a judgment coming. And if you're not in line with the scriptures, you're going to be eternally lost. The same message that Peter was delivering that day on Pentecost. Just in a different wording. Point number two this morning is what spirit should we preach? Because we notice that when we are to worship God, we are to do it in spirit and in truth. We are to be as oracles or an orator of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. <clears throat> If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. When we are up here proclaiming the word of God, we should be doing it in such a way that God's uh, words come out of it and not our, uh, per se, false interpretation of those things and teach things erroneous from it. The Word of God should be taught in such a manner that people will understand what God wanted, what He wants, what's pleasing to Him, what corrections that we need to be made. It's not to rest in man's wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 4 and 5. When Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he says, My speech and my preaching was not with what enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And so, how was he able to proclaim those things and them know that it was coming from God? Well, in the first century, they would have had those spiritual gifts to back up, the, the to um, I can't think of the wording I want to use, but it was to back up the words of the preacher, right? Um, and so I, I see y'all trying to help me out, but I'm not reading lips well this morning, so I apologize. But it, it was to, um, I'm not going to leave it on. In, in, in verse uh, 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Well, what's the power of God? The gospel of Christ is the power of God. So your, your faith should be in the power of God. It should not be in the wisdom of men. What about the day of the week? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we, we saw very clearly on the day of Pentecost, which we, we studied that out that that was on a Sunday. In Acts 2, 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostle doctrine. Well, the doctrine that they were teaching and preaching on that day was the Lord's doctrine. It was not something foreign from the gospel because Paul will deal with that in Galatians. He said that there's only one gospel and if anyone that would preach anything other than that, let him be accursed. Galatians chapter 1. In Acts chapter 20 verse 7, we can see on the first day of the week that this is what Paul was doing when the brethren came there, there together to break bread. That would be in context, it would be the Lord's Supper. 
Acts 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so we can see clearly that on Sundays we are to preach the Word of God. How about days other than Sunday? In Acts chapter 17, verse 2. And Paul, as his manner was, went on to them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. And so we know the Sabbath wouldn't be the first day of the week. It would be on the Saturday or the seventh day of the week. And so we can see here clearly that he would go into the temples or the um, synagogues, and he would go in and reason or preach the Scriptures on the Sabbath. Acts chapter 19, verse 9. When we, were, when we were talking about how he um, persuaded for three months in verse 8, but when divers were hardened and believed not to speak evil of that way, before the multitude he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And so here we can see that Paul preached daily. And so there's no thing that says that you can't preach or teach other than on the first day of the week. Midweek Bible study, the Word of God is approved. So yes, on Thursday you could you could do singing if it was authorized uh, or music if it's authorized music, and you could do preaching because we can clearly state see that the Word of God should be proclaimed every day, every opportunity that we have to be able to proclaim the Word of God from God or man. In First Corinthians chapter one verse twenty one, First Corinthians one. Verse 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? Preaching to save them that believe. God wants the word of God to be preached. In order for one to be saved, they must hear the word of God. And you, you read that throughout the word of God. Romans 10 says, without a preacher, then how can they call on him who they have not heard. But it's Bible based. We, we always say book, chapter, and verse. If we're going to preach the word of God, well, you need to be able to go to those things and see if they're true, as the Bereans did. <clears throat> Man's wisdom, motivational speakers, or those don't step on any toes sermons, that comes from man. That comes from those itching ears. Not wanting to hear the truth of God, but wanting to hear things that make them feel good. Or, they teach things that are contrary to the Word of God. And this is taken from there, and I, I did this on my phone, and that's why it's like it is, but I highlighted, it says the act of baptism doesn't save a person it is simply a symbol and celebration of salvation. But notice the verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Well, what do they say baptism is? Baptism is, a, is an outward expression of an inward change. It is a public declaration of how Jesus has changed your life. Being baptized shows others that you have decided to follow Jesus and allows them to celebrate this decision with you.
And so they say, because Jesus took on our sin and granted us his purity, if we put on our faith in him, we are made right with God, and that's worth celebrating. And so they just do baptism as a matter of celebrating. Their teaching on baptism is incorrect. It is a doctrinal issue. Romans chapter 6. I didn't put it on the slide, but if, if you'll turn quickly to Romans chapter 6 with me. We're going to go start with verse 16, but the point I want to drive home is verse 17. Know ye not that whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now notice verse 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you obeyed from the heart that form of what? Doctrine which was delivered on you. Baptism is a, a doctrinal issue. He says that form of doctrine. Well, what's that form of doctrine? You go to earlier in the chapter where he says, verse, uh, verse 3, Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When we were in the baptism waters, that old man of sin is destroyed, and we come up a new creature. They say you're a new creature before baptism ever takes place. Verse 18 of the chapter, being then made free from sin, how? When you obeyed that form of doctrine, baptism, ye became servants of righteousness. That makes it a salvation issue. Here's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. We're very familiar with, but I'm going to read it. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away the filth of the flesh. It's not because our skin, our outer body is dirty. That's not why we get into the water. But the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When I get into the water, I know that Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God. I know when I go into the baptism and come out, when I'm done for the right reasons, I know I come out that clean creature. I have good conscience that this happens. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. In, in the previous verse, it says, wherein eight souls were saved by what? Water. So I know it's water baptism. The eight souls there being Noah and his family when they were saved on the ark. Bible says baptism saves us now. Very plain. They say the act of baptism does not save. What did they do to God's word? They added the word not. Have we read about this happening before with the word of God? Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. 
For in the day thou shalt eat us there, thereof thou shalt surely die. That was law. That was the law in the garden. You do not eat of this tree. The day that you do, you shall surely die. What did the devil do to the word of God? In Genesis chapter 3 verse 4, when he was speaking to Eve, and the servant said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. This is how doctors of the devil were created. They go back to the origination of where it started in the, in the garden. Remember, Jesus says that he is the father of lies. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And so their, their teaching on baptism is wrong. And there's thousands that's believing it as true. Their preaching and teaching is unscriptural. Yes, we can do it on a day other than the Lord's day. But their way is different than God's way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. There's going to be many ways for people to be destroyed. This is just one of them. And many there be which goeth go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth on the life, and few be there that find it. Why? Because they believe lies. We offer the invitation this morning. It's the same invitation that's been offered for almost 2,000 years. It starts by hearing the word of God. You have to hear the doctrine of the Lord, the gospel of Christ, the faith, the counsel of God. That's how we produce our faith, uh, Romans uh, 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the very foundation of our faith. There is no salvation in any other name. Acts chapter 4. Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When our life is not in alignment with God's word, as, as the governor was not on that day when Paul preached righteousness, temperance, and the judgment to come, we must make corrections in our life that temperance is repentance. We must, we must be able to self-control. That's really what that word's about. But if, if there's things that are in our life that, that draw us away from God, we've got to have self-control and bring ourselves back into the alignment of God's word. That's repentance. Jesus says, without repentance, we shall all likewise perish. He didn't say it once. He said it twice in Luke chapter 3, verses 
3 and 5. And when he's talking there, he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're all familiar how they suffered and died. Then you must confess him before men, as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Jesus says without confession that he will not confess us before the Father, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. And then we must allow someone to immerse us in water to have our sins washed away as Paul did in Acts 22, verse 16, when he says, and now uh, Ananias tells Paul, and now why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we know if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. But we must live faithful to the end. We must, if, remember as Paul said, if you remember those things which you stand, then you shall remain saved. We must be faithful until the end, and we've been promised a crown of life, Revelation 2.10. But God being merciful, knowing that man is a sinful creature, he has offered another way for those that had obeyed the gospel, but went back into the world, and were not walking in the light, the light being the word of God, the gospel, he has allowed for you to come back if you have prayers said on your behalf. Repent of those things which are contrary to the word of God and be restored at that hour. If we can help you in any way, if you'll come to the front, as together we stand and sing the word of the truth.